understand that we've all felt stuck at one point or another, even the most successful people among us, because it's a rite of passage, a trial, to see if you have what it takes to be independent. The test is to prove that you deserve your destiny. Each week our goal is to bring you an inspiring story of someone who moved beyond their stranded face and found greatness on the other side. Welcome to The Stranded Podcast, and this is your host, Jessica Hurley. Guys, real quick, today's episode of The Stranded is sponsored by none other than Instapodcast. If you've never heard of Instapodcast, that's my podcast management agency, and there's nothing wrong with a shameless plug, right? My podcast management agency that we started in 2019 with the intent to help business owners, entrepreneurs, and creatives just like yourself connect on one of the most popular platforms on the internet right now that allows you to have true intimacy and vulnerability with your audience, and that is podcasting, to share your story, to share your message, your experience, and your knowledge through one of the most powerful mediums. And what we did was take away the hardest, most difficult part of it. We do the tech and the production for you so that you get to focus on the two most important things, which are content and marketing so that the world can hear your message. Because I know one thing I know for certain is that you have a message that can put words to something that someone else is experiencing that they don't know how to put words to. And so it's time to put your message out there. But the problem is, is you're scared of how much work it's going to take. And Instapodcast takes away all of the work for you so that you can focus on what's most important about the podcast, which is just delivering and serving your audience. So run over to instapodcast.com right now, schedule and book your first call with one of our reps or me, and we will get you started with your popular podcast. What's up guys. Welcome back to the stranded phase podcast. We're in a new season. We're talking about new things. And of course it was so important to me to bring to you people that I have had to lean on, look to, and use in my new season of my life. And one of the things that I was on the hunt for was something that became very abrupt in my life, which was this roller coaster of emotions that at times made me feel like a damn psycho, you know? And it was when a friend said to me, you know, Google the grief map because this is totally normal. And I was like, the grief map? And I go and look at this, you know, front to back, this, it's like this downward mountain or up, down and up of all the feelings and things that you're going to experience from grieving the loss of someone. Now, let's be clear. I'm not grieving the loss, the actual loss of someone, but I am leaving a long-term relationship that I for certain 100% thought was forever. And so I leaned into some grief experts or people that study grief. And I'm so blessed that I found this woman. And so I'm so excited to bring her on the podcast today because I really want to walk through this with you guys, because I know I am not the only one. I am not the only one suffering in silence. I am not the only woman dealing with a long-term breakup. I'm not the only woman dealing with a divorce that I thought a marriage that would be forever. I'm not the only woman dealing with loss. I have friends that have lost parents and grandparents to COVID. You know, I have friends that have lost children recently. So griefing extends across a long board of experiences. And so I wanted to bring her to you guys. And so I'm so excited to welcome and just hear the truth with Gianna Demidio today, the founder of So Sorry for Your Loss, the blog, 
and just a woman who studied grief for quite some time based on her own experience. And so welcome, Gianna. Thank you so much. Yeah, I am happy to be here and I appreciate you having me on. Definitely an important topic to talk about. And I don't think that we talk about enough. Like literally when she said you need to Google the grief map, like the first thing I said to myself was like, well, no one died. Right. Like I'm not, I'm not grieving. And so my first, and I think most important question to you to bring clarity is, is like, when do we experience grief and what, what's in that container? Yeah. So grief can be experienced anywhere. And I don't have to go very far to look for examples here. All we have to look at is the past year in this pandemic. There was a collective worldwide grief. We lost our normalcy. We lost this feeling of safety. And millions of people around the globe did lose a loved one. They physically lost someone from this virus. So it was really put on the main stage what grief is. And in addition to my blog, I have a podcast for So Sorry for Your Loss. And one of the episodes of my upcoming season, I talked with somebody about this past year and she had said it was almost this weird, refreshing feeling to now see that everybody could kind of experience what she was going through in the loss of her mom. And she could relate to friends in ways that she couldn't before when if they hadn't lost somebody or they hadn't been through something tragic like this in their life, they didn't really get it, you know? Wow. You'll learn I like to use a lot of metaphors. And one that I like to say is grief is a zoo. And there are a lot of different exhibits, okay? So you have your breakup exhibit, you have your failed endeavor exhibit, you have your death in the family exhibit, and and there are even different exhibits within the death of a family. I mean, there's somebody that is sudden is certainly a different experience from someone who's had a long illness and you've had time to mentally prepare, not saying one's better or easier than the other. They're just different. So mm. grief can encompass so many different things in life. And you are so right in saying it goes way beyond just the death of someone. I love that you said failed endeavor, Mm -hmm. because I think no one would think because we were like in this culture of like, get over it, move on, be resilient, carry on. But like, there is grief to failed dreams. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. There's such a grief to it. And I think that's. Yeah. And to your point, it's like this, this image in your head of what the future is going to look like. And when that doesn't pan out to what you had expected, there's a grief there. There's a loss. And that's really what it is that we're honing in on, the loss of something. And Mm. for your experience, you know, that that is a huge loss in looking at your future and seeing something that isn't necessarily going to be the way that you thought it would. So I wrote this quote down and I'm married to it after I heard it on a show one time. And the woman said that all grief is, is learning to rewrite the story without someone who you thought would be forever in it. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I was like, that's it. That is where the pain comes from. Yeah. Is what does this story look like without this person in it? I love that you said you, you found this quote and you wrote it down because I think that's one of the things that can really help somebody heal, um, mm-hmm. specifically friends that have gone through breakups. That's one of the things that I always do is I find these quotes and I just like spam the hell out of them and text something to them every single day, like a new inspirational quote, a new way to look at the situation, but they can be really helpful. And if you find something like that, that is helpful to you. I'm glad that you wrote that down and you, you hold that close and you think of that every day and remind yourself of that because there, there are so many things out there like that that can, can help you in your processing. One of the ones that I love for grief is I sat with anger long enough to know her name was grief. Mm. And that was something I thought was helpful 
in terms of having me identify my emotions and really understand where they were coming from. I think that sometimes this is helpful as it gets a little further out from the, the acute grief that I'm feeling. But if it's something that you are feeling angry and you're just so upset about this, and then if you can really boil it down and say, hey, is it that thing that's right in front of me? Or is it this bigger cloud that I have over me of grief? And is that what's making me feel this way? And if I can separate them, then can I maybe handle this thing in front of me a little bit differently? I know that's what drew me to the grief map was the anger. Mm -hmm. I couldn't figure out why I was so angry. Yeah. And I felt like I was starting to become someone I was not because I was like triggered and angry by everything. Mm -hmm. And then I would get more angry with myself when I would, in the word I use, but I'm sure you have a different term for it is almost like I would relapse. Oh yeah. And that's when I realized that in the, I want to get into this with you is like, one, let's talk through the grief map for a second, because when I read it, it made me feel so seen. Like I mm-hmm. felt so seen, like I was like, oh, okay. Anger, sadness, depression. And it's so funny. Cause when I read the depression, I literally said to myself in my body, I said, you won't be depressed. Like, you know how to get through that. Like you don't get depressed. Oh no, 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 no. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I have experienced depression in its full capacity and it is unavoidable. But when you read that, you feel like it's linear. You're like, okay, sadness or anger. I'm in the anger phase. So after this, I'll be depressed. Once I get past depression, then I'll experience acknowledgement. Am I at the end? And then you go, okay, am I at the end of this depression? I wasn't sad yesterday. I'm not sad today. Maybe I'm about to pass on to acknowledgement. And then all of a sudden, the next day you're angry as hell. And you're like, shit, I'm relapsing. I'm I'm going back. What am I doing? Mm -hmm. I need to get through this process and I need to get through it right. And I need to get through it fast. Tell me. Explain to me the guilt that we feel from relapsing through these feelings. Oh my goodness. Guilt is a huge thing. So I want to focus on first the word that you said, linear. It is the most important thing to realize that grief is not linear. Mm -hmm. It can come at you at any time. And even when you're years beyond it, it might. But you're going to have developed so much more in your emotions that it's not going to take you down the same way that it does now or in that acute phase, like I said. So there's no magic cure to it. And I think that sometimes labeling it as the stages of grief and this this grief map, people think, okay, this is just like a three-step program. This is all I need to do and I'll be cured and I'll be fine. And it's really not the case. It's not clear cut like that. So I think a better way to label it is the waves of grief. And again, here I am with my metaphors, but they come in intervals They and they come at different times. They come at different sizes and they can come in any order that they want. So if you think of yourself standing at the, the edge of the ocean and some of these waves of grief can be really small and they just simply brush up against your ankles, but then the next one can knock your ass over. And that wave can be so big and you were unprepared because you thought, oh, the one before that was just, you know, a little small or it's really sunny. I'm, I'm having a great day, but that wave can come out of nowhere and, and really get you. But it doesn't mean that you can't come back from it. So I think what helps is to reshape the narrative in your head, wear your grief like a badge of honor. And it's something that is going to be with you no matter what. So to turn it into something positive. So 
we're looking at different things here. You know, in the sake of my loss and my dad, I wanted to make sure that his death wasn't for nothing. And I said, I, I wanted to, to make sure that something I can make myself from this. I, I can make him proud. I can, mm. you know, really rise above the ashes in this. And carrying his memory with me is something that I always want to do. Now, in terms of a breakup and what you're going through, you may say, I don't want to carry the memory with me <laughs> forever. You know, it depends on, on, on how you, you plan to, to grieve this. But you can still look at it as an experience that you had. So it may yes. not be like death and hanging on to the memory of the person, but you hang on to the memory of the experience. And you start to be able to grow from that and realize I'm going to hold this against my heart as something positive. And instead of looking at it as a negative and a really difficult thing, and I can't think about this, and this makes me so depressed, as you were saying, to think about, you'll start to see the change in that tide. And that um, when you, you hit the, the things on the grief map, it's, there are different types of feelings. So maybe it's depression, maybe it's anger, but it's different. And eventually it'll just start to, to fade. Wow. It's like the reprogramming. It's literally yeah. the reprogramming because mm -hmm. that, that, and that was going to be the, one of the questions I asked you was like, so what is your advice for people? Cause like, even I can be in an empowered mood. I can be totally feeling myself that day. I can be like, if every day is like this, I'm going to be fine. Right. Yeah. And then a memory just smacks me in the face. Yeah. And I can only imagine for people that are grieving true loss, like, what do you, what's your advice about people when they experience memories around the loss of someone, not, not technically the actual loss, but good memories that trigger them? Yeah, I, I think that memories can be a really good thing. Um, I think that the most important thing to remember though, is to not romanticize. Mm. So. I do this definitely with my dad in the sense of he and I had a difficult relationship. You know, he was my dad. He was my parent, but he was also kind of just like an older brother to me. He mm. was really fun and there for me for a lot of aspects of my life. But then other times it was really hard to get to him. And mm. he, 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 I couldn't necessarily count on him for some things. So I definitely romanticized the hell out of what our father-daughter relationship was in the beginning and that he was the best dad ever. Things would be so different if he were here. I wouldn't feel this way. He would be able to help me through whatever it was that I was going through at the time. And a lot of friends and family had to stop me and be like, but gee, it wouldn't be that way. Like you're, you're making something up in your head. It, it, it wouldn't, maybe he wouldn't be at this birthday party. And that's not the reason that it's not, you're not wow. feeling good, you know, like, so wow. I think that you have to make sure you don't look back on the memories and say, things were so much better then, and things would be so much better now if they were still in my life, because that may not be true. Wow. And then the other thing I think is important is memories can be really helpful in helping you move on because suddenly you're looking at them with a different lens. Right. I can say this from experience from breakups of all the things that I swept under the rug because I just felt 
you know what? I'm happy. It's okay. I'm not going to worry about this now. And then when I remove myself from the relationship, I look back on those things and say, how did I even put that under the rug? Because it was a thousand pounds, you know, like that was something that was so big. I should have not overlooked that. So it can be something that where you look back on those memories and they help you again, reframe that narrative in your head. Now that you have this new information to kind of bring to the table to dissect that memory with, and maybe it can help you move forward. Mm. Mm, mm, mm. <laughs> so speaking of this, cause I was thinking about you and I'm going, okay. Cause I'm, I'm reading this book, um, how to do the work to heal. And it talks about the dark night of the soul mm -hmm. and this being this transformative moment. And for some people it's, you know, they just wake up one day and go, what the hell did my life come to, mm -hmm. you know, or grief, a lot of times loss of something, someone, a very transformative traumatic moment in our lives brings us to this point of like, we have to reshape who we are in order to heal. Yeah. And I'm thinking about you and I'm like, majority of the people that you work with or help, you have to be dealing with them at probably one of the most, what they would consider one of the toughest moments of their lives. Yep. And then when I think about the feelings that I've had, there have been times where people have tried to say, Hey, this is a sweet spot. You're going to get to, you're going to rebirth something incredible. You're, you know, a part of you has to die inside so that you can reshape yes. this person. Yes. But in the moments Oh, do you know how hard it was for me to hear that? Mm -hmm. I couldn't hear that. Yeah. I was like, I'm in pain. Shut up. Mm -hmm. Like, and, and we will do anything to alleviate this pain because yeah. we have been taught we cannot live in brokenness. We cannot live in pain. What are your, what do you kind of coach people through or explain to people you know, without just saying like something so positive will come out of this, right. you'll become right. such a great version of yourself. How do you coach people through just sitting in the pain without running to alleviate it? That's a, that's a great point. That is like the exact thing that I try to tell people to do. You have to sit with it. You cannot run. It will find you. There is no getting around this. You have to heal it. You have to, excuse me, you have to feel it in order to heal it. Mm. So the more time that you're willing to look at yourself, look introspectively, look at your emotions, look at the surroundings uh, with the situation that you're going through, dissect it as much as you can. So this can be tricky because the situation may only be interesting to yourself and other people may get sick of hearing it and hearing it and hearing it and hearing it. But that's where I think it's really important for mm -hmm. episodes like this to be out there in the public, to give people a resource to be able to go and research different things to adjust their, their thinking. So for me and my story, you know, I decided pretty early on, like I had just said that I didn't want my dad's death to be for nothing. And then it was about 16 months later, my mother-in-law, she wasn't even my mother-in-law yet. My, my husband now and I were engaged. Um, his mom passed away too. And I became even more heavily invested in this thought. You know, they were both too young to go. And I wanted to feel as though I learned from this experience. I wanted to keep their memories alive but I also wanted to change myself for the better because when you go through something that is so such an existential shift in your life, the loss of somebody either through death or for a breakup, 
that's a huge shift in what you know as as your life. You are not the same person. You are not coming back to be the same person again. So when you're trying to put pieces back in that puzzle, it's not going to work. So mm-hmm. take this time to say, it's totally okay for me to put this puzzle back differently. So let me sit with it for a little bit. Let me not put the pressure on myself to say, this needs to be handled right now. This needs to be done by the end of this week. This needs to be wrapped up in the time that society tells me it should, because I want to take the time to figure out how not just to put the pieces back, but how to put them back better than they were before. So in some ways, I think that we can look at this as a defense mechanism, right? Because you want to say, mm. you're doing this just to say, oh, look at me, look, I'm back better than I was before. I, I want to show them. I want to make everyone believe that I you know, grew and rose from this. But it, it really is an appropriate way to look at it. And it's really helpful. And it, it took a lot for me to be able to get to the point that I could view it like this. And like I said, I sat with my anger for a really long time, the pain, depression, the loneliness. Mm. I was surrounded by friends and family after the loss of my father, but I've never felt more lonely in my Mm. entire life. Mm. And a lot of the people that I talk with are in that same phase, you know, they're, they're in the acute phase of grief or they're, they're still feeling that pain really heavily, and they're not able to look at how could this possibly turn into something positive? You know, they're, they're not, they're not able to see that yet. And that's fine. That's acceptable. And I think that if you can work on extrapolating the positives from a situation, because they do exist, they're there. I promise you. There's silver lining. Yes. Mm -hmm. But it's just very hard to find them when that darkness, or you said that dark night of the soul, when that darkness is so thick. So it's, it takes a lot of work, but if you open yourself up to getting to a point where you can look at the positives and hang on to them and truly believe them and start to, to tweak yourself going forward, it can be really beneficial. Night, dark night. It's felt like months. It's felt like months. And I was talking to a girlfriend and I said, it's, there's times where I want to, I get anxiety and I realize, cause I remember I had to ask a coach, I said, can you get anxiety from this? Cause yeah. I, I feel this like rush of, you know, and it's this feeling that I want to run away. I want to jump out of my skin and run away. Girl, the jump <laughs> out of my skin thing that resonates me with me so much. I can like almost feel the feeling that I would have years ago with just <clears> even <throat> saying that now. It's, it's paralyzing. It really is. Mm -hmm. And that's one of those things too, where it comes out of nowhere on days where you think you're so great and you're so productive and you're, everything's good. But then it's like, as soon as the world quiet down, quiets down just a little bit and your brain is able to stop and you have time to think that's when, yeah, we're both sitting here on the video shaking our heads. Oh man, that feeling. And you can't run from it. You have to, there's not, there's not, I just think of like this, like I keep thinking of like this swollen boil and like poking a hole in it to just let everything come out. Like you, you can't, you can't, you would poke, you would do anything to poke a hole in it. Mm -hmm. Like, cause I've caught myself going, where can I go? 
Where yeah. can I go? Can I, yeah. do I, should I go to the beach? Should I call this person? Should I go home? Should I go here? Should I go there? And I've gotten, I've gotten in the car, drove to places, gotten there, felt the exact same and left and came back home because I'm in this mode of just running from this feeling yeah. that you have to sit in. And it feels like you just want to jump out of your skin because it literally feels not okay to be you. Yes. And first, I want to applaud you because all of the things that you mentioned that you tried to, quote, run to are healthy and they're okay. You know, I've done some unhealthy things. I've done some unhealthy things. Great day at the beach. That's great. You see often people that will run to drugs or alcohol or dangerous behaviors because they just want to do whatever they can to get rid of that feeling. Oh, I did that for the first month. I went out almost every night with my friends. If I was home, I drank every night. I would open a bottle of wine or whatever. And then I finally woke up one day, like after 30 days and I was like, okay, this ain't it. This doesn't feel good. My body doesn't feel good. I feel like I'm, I'm not dealing with shit. Like I'm not dealing with it. So I need to sit in it. And so I'm like the complete opposite. I don't want, I mean, I drank for my birthday, but I don't want to drink. Like, I'm like, I'm, I'm good with that. I want to Man, what, what I you try. Have to with when that I, I would, I would go out. I would try to have a glass of wine, have some, you know, vodka, this or whatever. And it, it was to the point where it, nothing would even help. Like I was mm. so numb that it, it wouldn't even. And I was mm. like, you know, like man, when alcohol can't help me, <laughs> this must be something much this deeper. We got to something else out. <laughs> yeah. But when you said putting the puzzle pieces back together differently, mm-hmm. that is that. Like, that's the realization that I had to come to is like, it doesn't mean, you know, cause for example, like you said, grief is different. So the, the death or loss of someone may not have you feeling like you need to become someone else, but in theory, you will, you have to, you can't put the pieces back together. But like, even with a breakup or a divorce, we think, well, how do I become someone else? Cause I can't be that person because that's why this didn't work out. We think that that's shame and blame and ownership. And it's not, it's just you could never put the pieces back together being this person because you're literally going to create an altar or new versions of yourself in order to heal from this and dance in this and mm-hmm. like dance in the rain and, and figure out how to show up and lead and or do your job or show up yeah. at work or mother or whatever you need to do amidst this pain. You have to really like it's like a game. You almost have to like achieve a new level. You Absolutely. have to become someone else. Yes. Yes. And that's one of those things. If you look at it, yes, it's grief, but it's also growth. Mm. You're not supposed to be the same person after this. Mm-mm. This is, it's unfortunate that you have to have growth in this way, but this is the way that the world is telling you that you needed to do it. So part of the, the grief and the sadness that you feel is because things aren't going to be the same. Well, listen, you've outgrown it. They're not supposed to be the same anymore. You're Mm. supposed to grow and move on and create this new version of yourself. Mm. The more that I realize that there's opportunity in there, the safer I feel with myself. Good. It doesn't mean I'm healing. Well, it doesn't mean I'm healing, but it doesn't mean I'm completely healed. No. But there are moments when I'm like, oh, look at all this time that I have to read. Look at all this time I have to be around other women and realize how energizing this is. Look at all this time. I'm now more present with my son and I have no desire to be, you know, do things other than spend time with him. And this is growth. And what I is a hundred percent growth, because a few weeks ago, you probably wouldn't have seen it like that. 
Mm-mm. And now you are. So that is, that's, that's a pat on the back right there that you got to this point that you can recognize that. And I feel safer with myself. And in reality, in the beginning of this, any process like this, you don't feel safe with yourself. Mm-hmm. Like I felt so, I felt like nowhere was safe. Yeah. Nowhere. Not like, not that I was going to hurt myself or harm myself, but like, I just didn't feel safe in my skin. Yeah. I wanted to run to people and things and just like, so the more I start to trust myself and trust that there's an opportunity here, the safer I feel with myself, mm-hmm. which is such a journey, like just to get to that place. Yeah. I, I very much understand that. I didn't, I didn't trust myself, not in like my actions or what I would do. I just didn't trust my emotions. And mm. like, I just needed to be within arm's reach of my boyfriend who was, you know, is now my husband was my boyfriend of that time because I didn't know what my body and my emotions were capable of because I had seen those waves come at different times that I'm out at CVS, you know, going on a running an errand and that there's a father and daughter standing in front of me in line and I'm going to completely lose it and break down and be physically paralyzed and not be able to move. Mm that I was scared to do that. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't go out on errands by myself. I needed to have somebody with me. I needed to have either my boyfriend or friends or something. And it it was interesting. Um, that's one of the things I try to tell people, like they, they don't need to be these grand gestures of what you do for somebody in their time of grief. It's really just the simple things. I just got chills even saying that because those are the things that I think can make grief for the person experiencing it really traumatizing when you take away somebody's ability to like you were saying be a mom be a an, uh, your entrepreneur be a, a a consumer going to cvs for the day when you take away those simple things that are so innate in a person that is traumatizing so the simple thing that somebody can can do is to just support them and be there for them in those little moments and say hey, why don't I come over and we'll go out to Target for the day? Or why don't I come over and I'll help you unpack all your groceries and we'll meal prep for the week. It's those things that when it gets somebody back on the path of just being a person. Yes. That can be very, very helpful. I don't need grand things. The things that have been the most transformative and healing for me is getting me back on track with myself or getting me feeling like myself again, Mm -hmm. you know, like spending time with other women, you know, having conversations about their life. And then no means do I mean that I want to act like this isn't happening because for every woman that's given me the grace and said like, Hey, before we jump into this, how are you? I know what you're going through. How are you? And giving me the space to say, I'm not okay. Like this really sucks actually. And finding that some days are great and some days are not. And then hearing like, you know, a lot of times that will, you will invite people to kind of share in, and it's great because people are so soft about it, but share like, Hey, you know, three years ago, I went through that. And, you know, I remember and blah, blah, blah. And when, when they, when they give me the space to share that, and then they share that, I always leave feeling heard and seen and better. Vulnerability invites vulnerability. So the Mm -hmm. more vulnerable you are with somebody, the more they feel safe opening up and they'll share their experience. And then it allows you to share more of your experience. And it's this amazing, beautiful, beneficial relationship between two people that can happen when you're vulnerable with each other, because it also helps you to not feel so alone in that process. So I'm sure that was really helpful for you when somebody opened up and said, three years ago, I went through the same thing. You don't have to feel, oh my God, I'm crazy. She probably thinks I'm insane. 
because she went through the same psychotic phase that you felt you were feeling, you know, a few moments ago you were talking about. So it helps you to be able to break down those walls and talk about that a little bit when you feel that somebody understands. So you posted a quote recently, and I thought it was so powerful. It said, healing doesn't mean the damage never existed. It means it no longer controls your life. Yep. And I can imagine for you losing your father, your biggest fear was forgetting. Yeah. Because we always think that once we get past the grieving process and the feeling, we will forget these people or we'll become like numb to it Mm -hmm. almost. Mm -hmm. And so what, what do you think? Because I, I get it, not controlling your life, because this is a, for me, this is an everyday thought right now, every single day. But what is the difference? Because look, here we are back to guilt, right? Oh, yeah. What's it's the always, difference? Always there. <laughs> yeah, always, always. So what is the difference between, like, is that the healing of grief is just acknowledging Like when you finally get to the point where this is still a real thing, it's still factual, it's still black and white, it still exists. And it did hurt, but now it's not enrolled in my everyday decisions in life. Now it doesn't hold me back. So this isn't like a clear cut answer because Mm -hmm. while it feels like it, and it certainly affects you physically, grief isn't like a medical condition that we can look at and say, hey, we gave it this treatment and now we look at the scans again and you're healed or you're healing, you know. But this, what you just said is certainly one of the ways that you can look at where you are in your healing process is the way that you're able to to look at the, the situation as a whole. So for me, I remember getting to a point where I could say, I am a woman first. And I am someone grieving second. And that took me a long time because I felt that my grief was very much my identity. It was leading your life. It was 100% leading my life. It Mm. was the only thing I could think about, the only thing I could talk about, the only thing that I I associated everything with Mm. to the point where I, I didn't really know who I was beyond that. And I started to say to myself, you know, eventually... You know, maybe at this point, it's only been a year since my dad passed. People are still kind of giving me that grace. Mm -hmm. But eventually it's going to become long enough that people are going to start to say like, okay, like you need to pick it up a little bit and not in in a um, detrimental way, but because they care about me. And they're not saying we don't feel like hearing this anymore, but they're saying in a way of we want you to be better. We want you to feel okay. We want you to move on from this just being the only thing that you can focus on in your life. Look at how many other wonderful things that you have. Mm-hmm. And when I was able to do that, it, it really was this like earmark in my growth an earmark in my, my healing process. Um, one of the, this is making me think of a story. One of the things in like a physical way, I used to go to cycle classes, like uh, spin mm-hmm. classes. And mm-hmm. um, I went to flywheel and they have numbers associated with how you're doing on the bike. So, you know, you're hitting a certain Mm -hmm. speed or whatever, you're getting a number throughout the entire class. And I remember one of the classes that I got a score that I had not achieved since my dad passed. And I cried my eyes out in that dark studio because to me, it was such a, 
it was an earmark of a moment that I, I was achieving more than before. I was, I was back to what I was physically capable of before, or I, you know, you, you just felt like you're getting better. You know, I don't know if I'm, if I'm saying that right, because it was such a powerful moment. I don't even know how to really put it into words, but there are these times that you're able to, to look at your healing and they're not, they're not to be minimalized, you know, definitely Mm. pick up on them. Even if it's the smallest thing, like a spin class score, you know, what does that really mean in the grand scheme of things? Nothing, but it was important to me. Yeah, no, that's so true. Like I, I, one thing I celebrate the hell out of are like my good days. Mm -hmm. Like I will literally look in the mirror and be like, look at you. This is, you're doing great today. You got it going (laughs) on. Yeah. (laughs) And not even in the physical, but like, I think two days ago, I had a phenomenal day. Like I just had so much energy. I staged the house. I was like purging. And then like, I I just felt light. Like I was just walking through the house, light working. Every client I talked to made me feel great. Everything I gave out felt great. Every phone call, it just felt like everything was like a enlightenment. Yeah. And I was like, I kept looking in the mirror and going, this is great. Like, yeah. how do I have more days like this? Not married to it. Cause I'll, I, you know, obviously I'll get really sad when I don't have days like that, but just celebrating, like, look at you, you can do this because the reality is, and I feel like a big part of the grieving process people don't talk about is we think we can't do it. Mm-hmm. We think we can't, mm-hmm. I cannot tell you how many times in my mind, I said to myself, I can't do this. Mm-hmm. I can't feel this way forever. Mm-hmm. I can't. So how do I get out of this faster than the normal person? Cause I can, I can tell right now based on the way right. that I feel in my shittiest moment, I cannot do this. There's no way. So I'm coming up on four years in May. And when I look back at how hard on myself I was in the first few months after he died, it is ridiculous. Like I say to myself, why did I expect that much of myself back then? Why couldn't I just have a good day and be happy with it? And then if the next day wasn't so great, it was like the end of the world. It was like, oh, I'm a failure. I can't. Why couldn't I keep that consistent? And I, mm. I, I have more grace with myself now about it. And like, all right, it's all right to have a bad day. You know, y- you have bad days before the grief happened. That's just what life is. But yep. when you're confronted with something like this, it, it, it definitely magnifies it. It becomes a measurement of who you are as a person, mm. like you said, and your ability and your, you know, the, if, if you are able to get over it and get out of it because you can, or you can't do it for the rest of your life, it becomes much bigger, but it shouldn't be, but it's, it's all a part of that guilt. I mean, guilt is just Oh, it's all around it. I, I'm dealing with it a lot now. I have a five month old. I just had a baby. And speaking of grief, I grieved the end of my pregnancy. I mean, that was wow. something that I had no idea could happen, but it did. I was yes. very um, sad that she wasn't like physically attached to me anymore. And that I had to let mm. other humans hold her. <laughs> that wasn't yes. just me. But I mean, the mom guilt is something that comes up all the time. Grieving guilt is something that happens. Guilt is just baked into our society, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And it's just learning to work with yourself, be gentle with yourself, not be so hard on yourself. If the day after you had that amazing day, you were feeling really good. The next day isn't the same say, okay, but I know I'm capable of having a great day and I know I will again. Yeah. So I'll get there. Yes. 
Oh, this is so good. <laughs> okay. Last question. Yes. By nature, I often see, and it's not just in my situation, but in, cause I've actually had this happen another time in my life. And I'm sure so many people as well. I don't know if you have any brothers, but do you feel like men and women grieve? Di- like, do they handle grief differently across the board? And should we have grace for one another? Cause I'll, outside of this breakup, I'll give an example. When my son was born um, three years ago, he was born uh, three months premature. He was a pound, 12 ounces. He wow. spent 80, 82 days in the NICU. Wow. At the time, the first 35 days of the NICU, they could not tell us if he was going to make it or not. Mm. They were not sure. And we handled that completely differently. Yeah. Completely. Like, mm. I didn't want to celebrate anything. I didn't want to do anything. I wanted to be like sitting, waiting for an answer almost. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the man, his dad wanted to pretend like it wasn't happening. Yeah. And I had to realize through therapy that neither one of us were wrong. Right. We were just handling the grief, grieving process or the fear of grieving differently. So should we, one, do we handle it differently? And two, should we have grace for one another as the opposite sex? Okay. So this is a great question. And it's actually another podcast episode that I have coming out. I talk with somebody about grief and masculinity and all things around that topic, which is like this niche inside of a niche. And it's not talked about often and it should. Yes. So men are often taught to hold in their emotions. So it's not only difficult for the person grieving to talk about what they're going through. It's difficult for others in their circle to know how to respond to it. So it's like, this two-way street where there's construction on both ends saying, do not pass, do not go any further. Okay. (laughs) So I think nine times out of 10, we were talking about being vulnerable allows or invites vulnerability. When men open up and they do start to talk, they're going to find that others in their life will start to respond. It's just a matter of getting comfortable with doing so. So it's not that I don't think they're capable. There's not some scientific reason as to why men don't talk about emotions. It's purely a societal label that we've put on them. Wow. I also think that communication is really important. So what you said I really liked in that you learned in therapy that not one way was wrong. You were just doing it differently. And Mm -hmm. that is so important to be able to say, okay, I recognize the way that you're going to do it. It's a little different than how I want to do it. So can we maybe meet in the middle or talk about something and figure out a way that we can handle this together that accommodates both of the ways that we want to do this? For me, in the early stages after I lost my father, that was something that I dealt with with my boyfriend was (coughs) I felt, and he will own up to this, that he only gave me a short period of time and said, okay, it happened, it's over, the funeral is there. We handled some of the the business items that we needed to. Now get up and get back in the game. And why are you still crying? Why are you still upset about this? And that was one of those things that I really broke down and said, like you are standing here with a checklist, analyzing everything that I do. I already feel so much pressure about this situation and now you're putting so much pressure on me too. Like, how do you expect me to be okay. And Mm. that was something that we really had to gut through. And then fast forward, you know, the 16 months later when his mom was unfortunately not well. And 
he didn't want to face it. He didn't want to go see her. He didn't want to really acknowledge with family members what was happening. I tried to say to him, why don't you have some conversations with her? You know, I didn't get that opportunity with my dad. My dad died suddenly. You have this beautiful opportunity to talk with her. And he didn't want to do it. And things kind of came to a head and I blew up on him one day and was like, how dare you? You know, do you know what I would do for 10 more minutes with my dad? Mm. And it really made him face it. And to this day, he he thanks me and um, credits me for how he is doing in the grief with his mom after her death because of me pushing him so much to to face it during that time that she was that she was not well. Um, so I think there's ways to encourage each other, encourage the other sex. So I don't know if it's this, you know, have more grace. I think that you it's you kind of want to hit it head on, you know, because I, I don't want it to be where giving grace of somebody kind of lets things slide because that's just how it's supposed to be. That's just how men are. Let's let them just do that. No, it's time to confront it. It's time to face it. It's only going to help you in the end. But on the flip side, we as women don't necessarily need to wear it on our sleeves 24-7, don't need to be emotional messes all the time. So there's things mm -hmm. that we can look at the way that men do it and say, hey, this is the time that we can be emotional, but maybe button it up a little bit and not bring it into every aspect of our life so that it's affecting the person that we are moving forward. Yeah. No, I, I understand that completely because now I'm in this phase where I'm learning my only goal is to not shut down. Yeah. I just don't want to shut down. Yeah. And then how do I go into rooms and be parts of things and important moments that matter with other people without just like vomit of the mouth, right? right? Of what I'm <laughs> yeah. going through. Like, cause sometimes it isn't necessary. Like I don't need to go to someone else's baby shower and pour out about what I'm going through. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I don't need to go to a work event and pour out about what I'm going through or whatever. So it's learning now that I have the people that I need to talk to about that. I have the people on call when I need to. I'm still doing the healing work with the experts, but there's a time and a place that it can be buttoned up. And in order for me to maintain the relationships that I have, that's not something that needs to be talked about all the time. And it doesn't have to be worn on my sleeve all the time. And I, that doesn't mean I'm less vulnerable. It just means I'm vulnerable at the right time. Exactly. Exactly. It's giving yourself that breath of fresh air to know I will have time later. Now is not the time. And it's, it's, it's only gonna, might just be a detriment to myself if I try to let it out right now, yep. you know? And then when you get through that baby shower, you get through that work event, you feel really proud of yourself yes. for, for getting through it. And it yes. helps you even further. Yes. I've gone to events and I'm like, or something or a birthday. And I'm like, wow, I went the whole event without talking about what I'm going through. Yeah. Go me. I, maybe yeah. I can do it a little bit longer. <laughs> yeah. So um, you're right. There's a time and a place for everything. And that's a new phase that I'm in. So you're mm -hmm. absolutely right. I think this was so incredible. I cannot thank you enough for helping us understand grief a Good. little bit more. Good. Oh, absolutely. I thank you for having me on and giving a voice to this topic because it's definitely something that a lot of people are unfortunately trying to navigate in silence. So I appreciate you giving it a platform and I think you're doing great and I am proud of you. I don't want to sound, you know, like I'm... I'll take all the I'm proud of you. I'm proud of okay, you. Okay, <laughs> good. <laughs>
<laughs> totally need them. So speaking of suffering in silence, um, where can my people find you that might be somewhere in the grieving process, grieving process. And remember, like you said, this is failed attempts. This is divorce. Yes. This is breakups. This is loss. This is job loss. This is so many things. So someone going through something like this, where can they find you and work with you? Yes, we covered all. So my main platform is on Instagram. It's at Gianna.de. And then my podcast and blog, you can find at www.ssfylpodcast.com. That's for So Sorry for Your Loss podcast. And that can be found on Spotify, Apple iTunes, Google Podcasts, anywhere that you listen to, to your podcast. Look it up. So Sorry for Your Loss podcast. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for being vulnerable about your, your dad, your situation, and just how you can help people in general. So thank you again. Absolutely. Thank you. Thanks again for joining us on another episode of The Stranded Podcast. If you felt inspired or moved today, make sure to leave a review on iTunes. You can learn more about us and our guests at thestrandedphase.com. And don't forget that your stranded phase is a rite of passage on your journey to greatness.